My name is Brad Pruitt. I'm here on behalf of America's Black Holocaust Museum and I stand here before you as a representation of the hundreds of people who have spent the past decade working to make this day a reality. I want to start with thanking Dr. Fran Kaplan and Reggie Jackson and our incomparable board of directors, our affiliate committees, and all the people who have donated their time, their talent, their resources, have licked the envelope, have greeted a, uh, someone at an event, and all of you. Thank you all for being with us this morning. We are here today to celebrate the birthday of Moore's development. Melissa Goins has been in business for 12 years, doing development in this community in many situations where people say developments couldn't be done, including this one. We are also here to celebrate 30 years of the America's Black Holocaust Museum's influence in this community. On June 19, 1988, one of the only known survivors of a lynching in American history and the only one to write about it, Dr. James Cameron, opened the doors of the America's Black Holocaust Museum for the first time, and we're here to celebrate that as well. We sit here on the footprint of the last manifestation of the museum. We are bridging the 10-year gap from which the museum didn't exist in a physical form. We launched the virtual museum six years ago to begin the process to come back to this day. And this fall, with your continued support, financial, energy, your prayers, your blessings, your time, your talent, the America's Black Holocaust Museum will open once again for all the world to see. So we're here to celebrate community, we're here to celebrate investment, we're here to celebrate development, and we're here to celebrate legacy. And in so doing, I want you to all join me in welcoming Dr. Cameron's living legacy, his son, Virgil Cameron. We need to go back and just imagine, if you can, 16-year-old boy arrested and jailed along with two teenagers for a crime that was committed. My father did not participate in it, but the two young men with him were dragged from the jail by thousands of a mob and uh, brutally uh, killed. They were hung, stabbed, beat, whatever you could think of, 16 years old. And my dad sitting in the cell waiting and they came to get him. They drug him, beat him, we're getting ready to lynch him also in between his two friends, uh, Abe and, and Tom. But for some reason, my dad said it was divine intervention, and I have to go along with that. He was spared and allowed to stagger back to the jail to uh, finish his, his sentence there. He thought about this and uh, began chronicling what happened to him, writing a book about it. What really happened and had him really, um, his heart was broken as a cat. He, he disappointed his mother, and his mother was just brokenhearted. He vowed from there on to never, ever disappoint his mother. After being released from prison, he, he moved to Detroit, Michigan, got a job in the cleaners, met my mother, Virginia Cameron, got married, had three boys, myself, Herbert and Walter. As the years went by, his mother became ill and he decided to move back to Indiana. 
When he got there, he started again uh, with his activism, marches, protest. He started four chapters of the NAACP. He was the uh, director of the Indiana Office of Civil Liberties, all the while doing this, receiving threats and not, no support from the community. I recall the night there were a caravan of cars that passed in front of our house and stopped. Dad grabbed his rifle, myself and Walter went on the porch and they were bantering back and forth and all of a sudden they left. Right after that, Dad decided we have to leave this country. He was on his way to Canada. Uh, and then he stopped in Milwaukee for some reason and found that uh, the Bronzeville area was enlightening and uh, it was an up-and-coming uh, uh, community. So he decided to stay here. He continued to do civil rights protests, marches with Dr. Martin Luther King, Coretta Scott King, Father James Graffi, uh, and all of that. And Dad had the opportunity to travel all over the world. And this one event that happened in Jerusalem where he stopped at the Jewish Holocaust Museum and saw the atrocities that were put upon the people in Jerusalem, and it just broke him down, and he decided after he left the museum that this is what we need in Milwaukee. He wanted America's Black Holocaust in Milwaukee. So we, as, as Brad said, we opened our, Jew, our doors in June 1988. But I think that mom had something to do with that. He was told to get all that clutter out of her basement. Today we are here for the second opening of America's Black Holocaust Museum, and we're hopeful that the community will help us keep Dad's legacy alive and going forward. We need your support, financially and spiritually. And as you know, the climate in our country right now bakes for America's Black Holocaust Museum to continue the dialogue regarding race and to remind us of the rich history that needs to be told in America. Thank you very much. When I looked at the uh, program and saw that I had four minutes to talk, I was just delirious. Um, as a politician, typically they have trained us to talk for just one minute and to be grateful that you have gotten that one minute. Uh, so I'll try to be brief because we have so many luminaries that this is truly a Sankofa moment for me. Because when this building closed in 2008, um, I, I uh, was devastated. But I was so happy that America's Black Holocaust Museum was able to reinvent itself as an online virtual museum serving millions of uh, global visitors each year. And now we have an opportunity to celebrate its reopening um, where, on its original site where it all began 30 years ago. And we also want to celebrate 
these developers, and especially Melissa Goins, on the 12th anniversary of her Moore's Development Group, and this $17.4 million project led by a black woman. <laughs> and let me tell you, Vel Phillips would be so pleased um, for this. Melissa, you just don't know. This is all part of the dream, the Sankofa experience. And the historic growth of this Bronzeville neighborhood uh, and its culture and entertainment district could not have been done without the stewardship and faithfulness of Alderwoman Malele Coggs. One of my, one of my babies. Um, and you know, a griot is, a, is, a, is, is so appropriately named uh, because Dr. Cameron was a, a true griot and I was one of the people blessed to be able to get countless tours and spend time at the feet of this great griot. Um, and so, to be appropriate, I'm going to provide you with a couple of African proverbs from the Ashanti tribe, which reminds me of what's been accomplished here. Quote, you must act as if it is impossible to fail. And do not let what you cannot do tear from your hands what you can. And I'm so proud of this accomplishment. And of course, Dr. Cameron, he could not have had his legacy live without his seed. And Virgil, I have worked with Virgil. I was been on the American Black Holocaust Museum board. I was a, able to get an earmark for this museum before earmarks got to be dirty things. And I just want to thank Fran Kaplan. You see how this Sankofa experience works. Dr. Cameron was inspired by the Holocaust Museum in Israel and a Jewish woman from our community got engaged and involved with no money and, and sort of kept this thing going on. Let's give a shout out to uh, Fran Kaplan. This museum is a tribute to an atrocity we should never ever forget. And we should have our own never again mantra. And I'll tell you, we've had heroes like Ida V. Wells, uh, uh, who want to document all the lynchings in our country, and Dr. Cameron was also that kind of chronicler. And it had an impact on me to really come from the hometown of, uh, come from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where James Cameron had an impact on me. And just recently, I joined Congressman Bobby Rush in authoring uh, an anti-lynching legislation to designate lynching as a federal crime. It's never been designated as a crime. I just want you to, to know that I feel that this is sacred space. And one of these days, we're going to have air conditioning up in here. We must not act as if it's impossible. So we will have the opportunity to donate and contribute and have the drums up in here and make this space a space where we are all reminded of the past. 
which will push us into the future. Thank you for listening to me. Good afternoon. Yeah, it's hot in here, but many of you know Melissa like to give community parties. Don't this feel like one of those basement parties? You know, if we're so hot, you want to go outside before you, your perm go, but the, it, the groove is so great in the spot that you like say, this is good perspiration. This is the party. Um, to uh, our guest, Danny Glover, Congressman Moore, and my colleague, Commissioner Marcoux, and to all my friends and family and my granddaughters back in the house, hey! I am honored to be here with my colleague, uh, Barb Lemieux of WEDC. Uh, we tag team on a lot of projects at the state level. And much can be said about both the housing and the museum having a new home. I want to focus on a bigger economic part of this, because this, this is Bronzeville. This is a neighborhood district that is growing, and this project is one of those key steps along its success. We'd have had the opportunity to invest $6 million, over $6 million over the last 10-year period to invest in the Girard project. What's important is this, this development will produce 35 units of affordable housing where people will pay no more than 30% of the income. The importance of this is that each resident will save $107,000 per year of money that normally would go out for housing that they'll be able to keep in their pocket. And for the total development over the 15-year period, $106 million. These are dollars that will go out into this community where people can spend that money however they wish whether that's to put food on the table, clothing for their kids, or shoes for their babies. The issue is you, the people who will live here will have more money, as well as some of the a great housing and a great neighborhood. And so I'm delighted to be here with so many of you to acknowledge the great work of one of our sheroes, Melissa Goins, and her, her legacy that she's providing to both not only young women, but young men of what you can do to create a reality of your community from your legacy and from your work. This is so critical, and so I want to thank the Goins organization and Josh Jeffries for creating an extraordinary project, not only for the housing that was produced, but the work that was done to not only build the housing, but use this as a center of workforce. A number of people were trained here and are beginning their construction career because of the work that was done here by Melissa and Josh to make sure that this project not only provides a dollar for housing, but also strengthens Bronzeville Neighborhood District, as well as produce careers for, the, for our young men and women who need greater opportunity to improve their income. So again, I want to thank you all for being here and thank the Goings organization for a phenomenal project that will be a lasting legacy to Bronzeville and to the city of Milwaukee. Thank you.
I'm Barb Lemieux, Vice President of Business and Community Development with the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation. And on behalf of Governor Scott Walker, the state of Wisconsin, and Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, our Secretary Mark Hogan, I certainly want to congratulate Melissa, Josh, City of Milwaukee, and all the many other partners who played a very vital role in bringing us here today. I know a lot of time and effort has gone into this by many people to make this happen. We're thrilled that this day has finally arrived and WDC could play a very small role in helping the griot and the historic Garfield Apartments. We look forward to the formal dedication of the American Black Holocaust Museum and we are so proud to, to be part of this day. WEDC provided the City of Milwaukee with a $250,000 grant to help fund the redevelopment of the GRIO and the historic Garfield Apartments. This grant program supports community development and redevelopment efforts, primarily in downtown communities. We also certified this particular project in $1.2 million in historic tax credits for the Garfield Apartments, as you all know, part of the bigger development that we're talking about today. This is one example of the more than $280 million WDC has invested in the city of Milwaukee since we were created. While our agency is perhaps best known for working with companies to create jobs, community development projects like this are certainly a key part of our mission as well. I have with me two colleagues today, Catherine Berger and Seum Mangesha. Can you two uh, stand or be recognized? They are very involved in not only this project, but projects all around the city of Milwaukee. So yes, WDC provided some assistance to help get this project off the ground, but that's only a very small part of this story. The success of this project is a result of the strong partnership between the state and local government, the city of Milwaukee, the developers, and the private sector. Just look around at everyone here today from all walks of life. Almost all of you had a role in this development of this exciting project. On behalf of the state of Wisconsin, I wish to thank you all for the role that you played. My boss, Secretary Mark Hoken, often says, economic development is most successful when, when it is driven by the local community. And he's right. WDC plays a role in success such as this one, but we also work closely with more than 600 partners around the state, and we couldn't do it without all of you. That's exactly what happened with this particular development. I'm very humbled to be sharing this morning with um, all of our distinguished guests, and that includes all of you and um, Mr. Danny Glover. We all know and we thank him for his philanthropic efforts and his humanitarian efforts all around the world as he serves um, as the UNICEF United Nations Ambassador. Many of you may not know, we hosted the United Nations procurement team here in the city of Milwaukee two months ago. We want to make the connection to make sure that our Wisconsin companies, in particular our minority-owned Wisconsin companies, receive contracts through the United Nations all over the world. We were talking this morning about um, Danny Glover's distinguished acting career and some of his favorite lines, and you might all know in Lethal Weapon, one of them was, I'm getting too old for this stuff, right? <laughs> Well, we're here today to say we are never, ever, ever too old for a celebration like this, for this great Sankofa moment, and to rejoice and reunite all of our community. 
Partnerships such as this are key components of our mission as we lead economic development throughout the state of Wisconsin. On behalf of, of the state of Wisconsin, congratulations to the GRIO and the historic Garfield Apartments as well as the American Black Holocaust Museum. This is a great day for all of us. Congratulations. It's my honor and great privilege to be here today representing Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett. It's an incredible day for our city. It's an incredible day for Bronzeville. It's certainly an incredible day for Melissa and her team, and certainly America's Black Holocaust Museum. A lot of people put a lot of money to make this happen. Wayman, thank you to, you, to the governor, to WIDA, uh, certainly what uh, WEDC put in. The city put in about $2.5 million through various components, including block grant, including uh, tax increment financing, including the original sale of this land to Dr. Cameron and America's Black Holocaust Museum for a dollar. And then when the museum got in trouble and had to close, the bank took the property. The city paid $250,000 to get the property back so we could be here today. And why? Because it's Milwaukee's time. When you look at what's going on around us, look at the development, G's Clippers, 30 African-American barbers and an African-American owner. Pete's, developed by an African-American developer. James Phelps, an African-American builder. The Urban League, the incredible star and anchor that it always has been, right here. And you see what's going on up and down MLK through MLK EDC and, and the Business Improvement District. I know Deshaies here. Our staff, Rhonda Manuel, has been at this for a long, long time, along with Maria Prioletta and our planning staff and our commercial corridor, Ken Little, Lisk across the street with the pop-ups and all of the incredible things that are going on. Why? Because it's Milwaukee's time. It is our time. This is an incredible inflection point for the city of Milwaukee. We are a majority of people of color in this city. Notice I didn't say we are a majority minority city. That is the way a white person would say it. We are a city whose majority of its citizens are people, men and women and children of color, and it is our future. And in order to gain the best future, in order to really move towards that future, we have to confront our past. And our past, this fall, will be on display in this building. When Virgil talked about his father and what happened, imagine 16-year-olds and the absolute terror he must have faced, being drug out to be hung. And his expectation was, as most African-Americans that had a rope around their neck, was he would be dead before the end of that day. To live, to tell, to bring things together, and to commit his story, his life story, to telling about slavery, about Jim Crow in the South, and about the incredible amount of discrimination that has occurred, including the great migration here north, and no other city, probably in the United States, to our collective disappointment, embarrassment, is as segregated as this city. No other region in the United States has as much wealth outside the city as it has poverty within the city. It is Milwaukee's time, and the only way we can change it is to understand where we have come from so that can serve as a bridge to where we are going to be. If people don't understand what white privilege is, 
come into America's Black Holocaust Museum. It's a good starting point for understanding what that is. And I will close with my heartfelt thanks to Melissa Goins and her many partners, and Josh is a great partner, Greenfire, lots of great people, lots of great contractors, subcontractors, African-American, Hispanic members, people of color that built this facility, that redid the Garfield School. But Melissa Goins represents why it's Milwaukee's turn next. She is a person of color, she is a female. She did not take no for an answer. 12 years ago when most people said you're nuts in a development community led by white males, she took it on as a challenge. She educated herself through Marquette's Acre program. She fought, she stumbled against white racism in this city and she succeeded. And every development she has done has been a new level of development in this city. She doesn't do anything second class. It's all about love, first of her family, her heritage, our great city, and the men and women who will come through these doors, who live above us, who live in the doors, in the incredible hundreds of apartments that she has done. It is Milwaukee's time. Let's make sure that history records it. It's Milwaukee's time. Congratulations, Melissa. Congratulations, America's Black Holocaust Museum. And thank you to all the women cogs who had the faith, the courage, the conviction, the stick to to never, ever let it go. Never. One moment would pass that she would pick up the baton when somebody dropped it, and in the background, it was always Malaley Cogs who just kept the ball going. Thank you all the women Cogs. We breathe galactic, expansive. A multitude of universes hum inside our conversations. Together gathered in this place, we are a genealogy of stars, risen and brilliant, distant and swelling, extinguished and smoldering still. The life of a star ignites under great pressure, average cosmic mass aggravated by atmospheric gas. James Cameron was born as a star. He rose in fire of grace. He was a nuclear fusion of rebellion and righteousness. He embedded his lifetime into our darkest American tapestry. He burned brilliant. And on this day, we don't celebrate the loss of a star. He was a surge of energy circulating, grinding, spitting, igniting itself again and again, a fusion of righteousness and redemption. The death of a star is not a loss to the universe, it is a redistribution of energy. Today, we gather as that multitude of universes, expansive, galactic, anchoring our various orbits to this moment. The death of a star is not our day. A star becomes a sun once it is surrounded by planetary and other bodies that believe in its energy. Today we gather as a multitude of universes gathering our orbits against this truth.
Taking in this fragment of sky, this greatness, this moment, we blaze like a beacon against still America's darkest tapestry. Today, we do not mourn the loss of a star. Today, we reclaim the sun. Today, we are stars in our seats. Go out and speak of this moment when we reclaim this space when we gathered our truth, when we claimed this moment that on this corner once again and forever always, we brought the sun to our backyards. We brought the sun to our conversations. We brought the sun to our shared truth. Today, we celebrate America's Black Holocaust return home. You are the star, be the sun and bring them here. Thank you, thank you. And with that, I would like to invite one of our brightest stars, a fierce, also compromise, negotiation of fire and fury and fusion and legacy, Alderwoman Malele Coggs, please come and celebrate this moment. Good afternoon. Now we are here to celebrate the 12th anniversary of Moore's development and the 30th anniversary of America's Black Holocaust Museum. So I know we have more energy than that. Let's try it again. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. All right. Usually the heat sucks a little bit of energy out of you. So I, I'm gonna use y'all's energy to help give me some energy uh, this afternoon. I was uh, talking to Melissa via text last night and I said, I have to admit, I haven't prepared a whole bunch of words to say today. Um, I think I'll let um, the spirit uh, move me and my tongue. Um, and I said, but if there's some words you want me to say, just let me know. And she texted me back and she said, the spirit will do. <laughs> so I'm gonna just talk to you from the spirit. Um, first, let's talk about what a glorious celebration today is. It is, it is hot, we know it. But it is, it is so interesting how the sun comes out on these glorious days that we are meant to reflect and appreciate and to celebrate. It could have been a lot of things. We know the weather in Milwaukee is, uh, is, is quite strange. Um, but it's this heat drawing us all together with the sun shining today and on this corner for a reason. Ten years ago, when I was elected as the alderwoman of this, the sixth automatic district, which I have the pleasure and the honor of serving in, one of the first calls that I got was about America's Black Holocaust Museum from my colleague, Nick Kovac, who had been a griot at the old museum. And he was introducing me to Reggie Jackson and the troubles that the museum was in. So when I um, came to the office, the first meeting I had was with Reggie Jackson where he told me about the financial issues and the troubles that they had. Now I'm new, I don't know all of what to do, but I knew that we had to do something to try to help salvage um, a museum that meant so much, not just to me, not just to this community, not just to his family, but to this nation and to the world. I say that and I will say it again, to this nation and to the world. Too often we see negative headlines and watch negative news stories and have negative conversations about the conditions for people of African descent here in the city of Milwaukee. And although incarceration rates 
um, HIV and STD rates, uh, poverty rates, education levels, and a whole bunch of other things may sometimes, by some measurements, be negative. You cannot tell me on a day as glorious as this with the sun shining right here on 4th and North Avenue, that there are not so many points of greatness right here in Milwaukee's African-American community. And sometimes, even as we celebrate that greatness, we still think small. We think of it being great for Milwaukee, it being great for our neighborhood, it being great for our districts. So when I say this is great for the nation and the world, I mean it. I, I want to take a minute to thank Mayor Tom Barrett, Alderman, I mean Alderman, uh, Commissioner Rocky Marcou, because the first meetings I had as a new Alder person, I went, I went to the mayor, I met with Rocky, and I said, we got to do something. I don't know what, but we got to do something to help um, save the museum. And the first thing Tom Barrett said was, we have to keep Mr. Cameron's dream alive. So for all the credit, for all the work that people give me for the last 10 years, I could not have done it alone. It was supported not only at the city by my colleagues, by uh, the mayor, by the commissioner, but so many people in this room and in this community. And if there is nothing else that you leave here with today, please recognize that this didn't happen because of any one person, or any one group of people. It truly was a community collaborative effort that helped to make all of this happen. And the truth is, for us to change conditions in this city for the better, it will continue to be a community collaborative effort that will give you the results like what we are standing in here today. At a time in this nation where we're talking about kids being separated from their parents because they were not born here. At a time in this nation where we're even having to discuss the meaning of white privilege. At a time in this nation where doing anything while being black could cause you to be arrested or even be killed. There is no greater time than now for the resurgence and reemergence of America's Black Holocaust Museum. And for all that people have to say about Milwaukee's black community, there's no greater place for America's Black Holocaust Museum to be than in the city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> tons of us got the museum to this place, but it's going to take tons of us to help it survive. So all I ask is that for as much as you are cheering here today and supporting here today, that you get everybody you know to help support the museum once those doors open so that they never have to close again. Five years ago, I don't know if you remember this, Melissa, but our conversation started about bringing the Holocaust Museum back in the basement of The Roots um, restaurant. Um, I came to you as I did several developers throughout the community to say, hey, what's it gonna take? for you to come to Bronzeville and build here. And you share with me, like others had, about some of the challenges through the years um, of previous attempts to try to do something in Bronzeville. But you also asked me what was my vision? What did I want to see happen? 
Um, and I share with you the importance of the Holocaust Museum as an anchor for Bronzeville and the need for it to return. And you said then that you would see what you could do. And I can personally say that over the last five years, there is not um, a time where Melissa has not been committed, even as she did other developments, to going through ideas and concepts for the possibility of getting us to this point today. So in front of everyone, I just wanna say thank you, my sister, for staying committed to a vision, um, not just for the museum, but for Bronzeville and Milwaukee's um, black community. And before you and um, Mr. Glover come up today, I just wanna say this. I hope that today is an inspiration, an inspiration for everybody in this room because Melissa is wonderful. I'm wonderful. Congresswoman Moore is wonderful. But you all are great too. And just like we have our lanes of the work that we do that's for the community, there are lanes for each and every one of you. The way that we build a better Milwaukee is for each of us to be walking in our purpose and our greatness and to support each other as we do it. Melissa has been blessed with great support. And because of that great support, she is able to do great things. But we each need to be giving each other that support so that we too can have more than just one development on 4th and North, so that our community can tear down these green boards, rebuild these blocks, and so that we can all have a better quality of life. So be inspired today.